Look at me. Judge me by my size, do you? And well, you should not, for my ally is faking Star Wars Radio. That's right, it's another great episode of your favorite Star Wars comedy podcast, the official podcast of FakingStarWars.net. This week, we take a behind-the-scenes look at the Star Wars saga. We have an interview with the legendary Darth Drivel, who will make an appearance on the episode and grace us with his knowledge about the making of Star Wars. We also have yet another excruciating edition of Duel of the Fakes. We have a Tweet of the Week, some listener mail, and a sequel to our new segment called Star Wars or Not Star Wars. IG69 is also back in the studio with us. We know you missed him. How are you doing, IG? I'm doing great, Storm Duper. Good to see you, everyone. Great to have you. Well, IG, um, in celebration of this uh, episode's theme, I have asked you actually to come into the podcast with some preparation. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. I I personally don't believe in preparation, but all right. Well, that was obvious from the beginning. However, um, the the goal of this is to discuss kind of uh, our favorite creatures that you may... Um, otherwise not have thought about or noticed from uh, the Star Wars trilogy. So both of us have prepared a list of three or four creatures um, that uh, go unnoticed. You know, we're really about diversity on the podcast. And so this is our, um, you know, very modest attempt to show how we care about all species of uh, any any type. And anything monstrous is good. That's right. So um, I have organized mine by picking one kind of from each uh, trilogy. I don't know how you did yours. Uh, I did that likewise, but I have um, like a couple extras that I might throw in there as well. Oh, great. Well, I do like extras. Um, so so uh, for the first uh, trilogy, the prequel trilogy, um, this creature, you know, was one that at first I was a little bit ambivalent about. I wasn't really sure that it was fully a Star Wars creature. Um, it was something that we hadn't seen really, but then as I got to thinking about it, you know, some of the design features did connect to, uh, Empire Strikes Back a little bit because they are both winged creatures. Oh. Yes. So do you, can you guess what I'm talking about? Well, are you thinking of like Genotians or are you? Yeah, uh, the Genotians. Yeah. One of the things I love about them is their language. If you know anything about the way their language was developed, um, they actually used uh, clips from a real human language where they make clicking sounds and sort mm-hmm. of morphed that and, and blended it with, I think they actually recorded some things backwards to create their language. Well, I always thought the Genotians, uh, yeah, they didn't look specifically Star Wars-y, but, um, but that's because of the limited locations in um, in the original trilogy. Like, we didn't get to see a great variety, so right. why not have an insectoid race? I thought the Geonosians, they worked. Yeah, I, I, I think Geonosians and Minox are really, um, you know, cousins from another mother, right? Oh, well, um, they are slightly different. I mean, one's a bat and one is a... Uh, well, basically a large termite. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind the gin oceans like as an as an idea, and I, um, I, I wasn't. I guess they they're kind of dated. The CGI for creating them is kind of dated, uh, but they could be updated. Well, that's quite because well. that's because all the other ones that they wanted to use uh, went on strike weeks before uh, the filming. Mm-hmm. That's why uh, when you see them, uh, you only actually see a few different. Uh, 
uh, versions of Geonosians that they copied digitally because they they had shot a few uh, real Geonosians uh, in pre-production, but then when they went to actually shoot, they had to just uh, duplicate them in the computer instead of use the real ones because they were all on strike for for more money. Oh, I I see, I see. Yeah. How about but, you? Um, yeah, that I kept my uh, my list more to um, the monstrous rather than the uh, sentient species. But, oh, okay. Um, but I also chose uh, from the prequels um, monsters from the Jin Ocean planet. Ah, let me see if I can guess. What's that creature that Obi Wan Kenobi uh, uh, rides on that makes that squawking noise? Uh, oh no, uh, that's actually a different planet. Um, oh, that was on Utapai. Yes, uh, right. but uh, this one, again, is from the arena scene. Oh, is it one of the monsters that tries to eat up Padme for lunch? Ah, well, those three, the, uh, okay. Well, Midriffs are tasty, as you know. Lesser known, probably the most famous one from the prequels is the Akles, the big um, sort of spidery one with, like, the scythe arms. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, uh, he was accompanied by the Nexus and Reeks which were uh, the two other sort of wolf or uh, rhino-like monsters in the, um, in the arena. Uh, those were interesting, but what, um, the one I kind of liked, which was not noticed as much, was the ore, which what? was uh, what the Jin Oceans were riding. So it kind of looks like a, like a dewback. Oh. Were they riding I, it in that scene? I don't remember. Yeah. The, well, that's because the guards are riding them to keep control of things. Not they're not specifically fighting in that scene. They're just in the background with a Geonosian on top of them. Um, and I've always liked the beasts of burden kind of uh, creatures, and it's like like the um, like the uh, uh, the dewbacks or uh, the tauntauns. You do so, like and see, you do like slavery. Yes, absolutely. So um, how do you yeah, spell ore? Ore looks sort of like a, a dewback, but with more of a um, uh, crocodile-esque face. Um, so. I thought that was an interesting interesting one. It was one that I, I remembered, but I never knew the name of. So doing the research for this, I was like, oh, what's that one? Uh, and uh, okay. I picked that up. Just, I thought it was um, at least as well done as, as the images of a do-back, but because it's in the prequels, it, it, it gets overlooked. Cause I certainly never, never thought about it. How do you spell that, actually? O-R-R-A-Y. O-R-R-A-Y, Okay. I'm just looking it up here because, oh, yeah, this guy. So he's sort of a cross between, I guess, a crocodile and and a hippopotamus. Yes, yes. So right, it, right. it's another sort of large lumbering monster, but with a more um, uh, carnivorous face. Uh, whereas the dewbacks, um, you know, they, they kind of look like a like an unarmored stegosaurus. Right, or like a, more like a head. lizard cow. Right. Yeah, a lizard cow. Yeah, basically. Uh, so, uh, I, I liked that one, and um, I thought that was one uh, worth remembering. Good pull. I I hadn't thought about that one. You know, it's interesting looking at these creatures. One of one of the ways I think they make some of these Star Wars creatures is they'll take two real life creatures and just kind of smash them together and see what they get. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, actually, that's uh, that's a very uh, apt point. I have that I think that's been stated. I'm looking for a villain the, yeah, in the or a creature monster in the next film that's the a cross between like a cobra and a kitten. Oh, yeah. Or like a porg with teeth. There you go. Great. Okay. Uh, well, how about your next creature? Okay. Well, um, uh, the one I picked from the original stri- original trilogy uh, was the, and I hope I'm saying it right, is the uh, 
Dianagar. Dianagar. Not the Dianoga. Dianogar. Sorry, that's a Dianogar. Yeah. The Are you talking bomb, about the one-eyed not... worm on the Death, Death Star? Yes. Oh, because yes. Everyone, well, sorry. Uh, everyone remembers it, but no, I could never remember the bloody name of it. I so... think it's actually pronounced Dianoga. Dianoga? Well, it, it, is, it does end with an R. Really? My research shows that it does not end with an R, I-G. We're having our first conflict nope. on the podcast. No, no, you are correct. I just wrote it down with a dash that looks like an R. Um, Never doubt sorry, me again, yeah. I-G, or there'll be consequences. Oops, okay, my my faux pas there. Uh, but I always I always like that monster, and of course, the problem with the monsters from the original trilogies is they're all memorable. Right, they are pretty so memorable, but I mean, I think that's when that, that one don't is... Remember is hard. Just I, I never knew the name of it. Um, I just always called it the trash monster. Right, the trash. Well, it was a pretty trashy monster, and I, I think they accomplished it, it really simply. Eye. Pardon? It was literally one eye. When you actually look it up, you can see that it has a large body underneath, of, and it has all the tentacles and stuff. But um, you only ever get to see the eye, and, and one tentacle. What what a great uh, example of how showing less is more, right? I mean, we only see that eyeball, and very briefly do we see a little bit of a slither under the water, yep. but that could have been just like a dirty water pipe or something, you know? Yeah. Well, if you've seen that movie, you will never forget that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, way more terrifying than anything in the prequels where you see, you know, even in that scene we're talking about with the uh, Ore and the other three monsters mm -hmm. that are attacking in the Colosseum. I mean, those monsters are memorable, but not scary, like the Dianoge is. Because they're cartoons. Right. And also because there's no sense of development. We don't, we don't, there's no mystery involved because we see them right away and we just, we know what's going to happen. Whereas with the well, Dianoga, the question is, you know, what is going to happen? Is he going to eat Luke? Is he going to take him down to his lair and make him his sexual partner? There's all kinds of question marks that you have as a viewer. And what happened to him? Like, how is he living there? And and when they crush everything, does he have an escape route? Like, what what's going on with that monster? He could just flatten himself like a pancake, right? Maybe. Or maybe there's like a drain in the bottom that he can slither through. Like, I don't know. Yeah, if, there if are a lot of unanswered questions. Get out, because ah. obviously they empty that garbage thing at least once a week or so. So, right. how has he been there? Where did when this I, giant monster come from that's living in the trash compactor? I know this is, has been discussed online, um, and I, I think that we're just going to have to leave it up to our imagination, really, because uh, the jury is out on, on what happens when those garbage uh, chutes are emptied, where the Dianoga go. Well, I, I don't know, but um, I do know. And I think this is the thing. It was used um, in the movie in a very creative way. Yep. Because you didn't really expect it. Um, whereas, like, arena monsters, eh, whatever. Well, one thing that you never hear talk discussed is that the uh, Dianoga actually was destroyed in the destruction of the Death Star in the New Hope as well. But how was Okay, I suppose you're right, it would be. Oh, yeah. that's sad. We should do an in memoriam. I know, right? Part one. Maybe, yeah. hey, maybe he's Barry Kowalski's father. No, I, they're, they're, they're separate species, but I believe they are related through marriage. They're like, um, okay. Cause, like second cousins or something like that. Now, what I is Barry Kowalski's species up. called in Han Solo? The uh, mm -hmm. giant space, um, space, space squid? Yes. What's what's that one called? 
Oh, oh, I did find that. Uh, because we 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 did the Barry Kowalski Memorial because we couldn't find the name of the monster. Right. But um, uh, I they have actually they have actually set a name for it now, and I forget it. That you know, this why. is funny because I have actually. Oh, it's the Summa Verminoff. I have looked yes, this up at least yeah. ten times, and I just can't uh, remember it every time. I have to go look it up again. Well, this is a problem with the uh, with the new movies as well. Is the fact is like they have amazing creatures, but they're not used. There's not they're, a they're character. Just... There's not a figurine of a Suma Verminoff for me to play with. And not just not just a figurine of them. The thing is, they're not. Um, they're not used in the movies in a way that makes you um, care about them in any way. Right. I mean, the, when Barry this, Kowalski dies, there there's no Garrett ba- Barry Kowalski uh, keeper who you know pops out of a of a spaceship and and mourns his death like there is no. with the Rancor monster, for example, in Return of the Jedi. Right. So yeah. I think shirtless, oh, fat, pot-bellied uh, Barry Kowalski keeper does not appear in this film. No. No. Um, so I think this, this is something that I, well, while I enjoy the newer movies more than the prequels, um, they still have that same flaw of, um, not fully utilizing their characters and world to create something truly magical. I see. Well, um, uh, the one that I came up with for the, the, uh, the original trilogy is, uh, not as obscure, um, but I think it's a character that they, like you're saying, they could have done more with. I always had a lot of questions about their language, about what kind of food they ate, what kind of culture they had, even what planet that they were from. And we never got any of those answers in Return of the Jedi. Do you know who I'm talking about? Ewoks? <laughs> no, not Ewoks. Uh, they actually appear earlier they, in the film in Jabba's Palace. Sorry, which? They appear earlier in the film in Jabba's Palace. Ah, Twilight Dancers? You know, I thought of going with that one, but since they also appear in the uh, prequel trilogy, I wanted to avoid re- repeating. Um, you can actually see them as well on Canto Bite in The Last Jedi. No, um, I went with a, a species that is green, pig-like. Oh, 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 oh. Gamorrean Guards. Yes, the Gamorrean yes. Guards, which were uh, some of my favorite villains from Return of the Jedi as a child. I had uh, several Gamorrean Guard figurines. Oh, they were they were awesome. Um, I remember there used to be this Star Wars um, like Mortal Kombat game, mm. and I'd always play the Gamorrean Guard. Is that and right? Was, his battle axe move was incredibly powerful. For some reason, I always inva- enacted scenes with uh, my Princess Leia slave Leia costume and the Gamorrean Guards. I'll let you. Well, I'll let you I mean, imagine what I did with you them. You do look a lot like the Morian Guard. I do. I do. That's why uh, I wear a helmet all the time. So. Yeah, the Gamorrean guards were cool. You know, they were very susceptible to be manipulated by the Force, and uh, Jabba used them, uh, you know, to feed his rancor when he didn't have anything else to feed them. Well, that one poor guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I think we should do a memorial for him as well. I don't know his name, the guy that uh, the, the Rancor ate when Luke uh, falls into the pit, but um, what a horrifying scene. I'm sure we can find a name for him. 
you know, when you think about it, that is actually probably one of the most pathetic scenes in any Star Wars film. You know, the the you know with the Gamorrean guard just covering his eyes and squealing in fear. I mean, that was a fairly grotesque scene. Well, I think that's what most of us would be doing in a Rancor pit. Probably. Here's my example from the sequel trilogy. It actually uh, appears in The Force Awakens in Maz Kanata's castle sequence. Okay. All kinds of creatures. So yeah, it's like the cantina. That's right. And uh, there's actually three of these creatures sat together at a table. Hmm. I do not remember. I'm talking about the Dengue Sisters. Um, the Dengue sisters were actually named by Pablo Hidalgo himself uh, because they resembled mosquitoes. Um, the name of the species is actually Culeseto, um, mm-hmm. and that is because uh, Culeseta is actually a genus of mosquitoes, and the Dengue virus is transmitted by uh, that species. So they used the name of, of the species and the name of these three characters sort of inspired from real-world mosquito uh, uh, malaria dengue uh, stuff. So, All right. Yeah, very creative, you know. I mean, uh, let's make a creature that looks like a mosquito and let's name it after mosquitoes. I, well, I don't have a problem with that. No, they were interesting. I mean, we never really find out too much about them, but I'm sure that there's a backstory waiting to be released in a comic book in the near future. I know. I'm just trying to think, though, when I watch the uh, actual cantina scene, I'm again, I didn't know everyone's name because when I first saw it, I was very young. Right. And they didn't have uh, Wikipedia at the time. But I do remember um, pretty much everyone, even Wolfman, Mm -hmm. like, stuck in my mind like i i was into that scene and with maz kanata's cantina it was less um less memorable well it was a shorter scene and and nothing really happened there uh the 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 action sequences in that scene were cut and only added in later as uh you know kind of extra sequences for the dvd like the scene when unker plot shows up and chewbacca rips his arm off we never Mm. see that yeah. Um, well, my pick from the uh, from the new ones uh, again. I went non sentient, so um, I picked up. I picked the Hapabor. The what? The Hapabor. Ah, now, yes, it's, it's the on, Hapabor. It's on Jakku. It is. The Hapabor was actually uh, leaked in one of the earliest. Uh, I think it was. I don't know. A website released the original uh, release. It probably was TMZ. I think it's that pig-like thing that shares a drink with Finn. Yes, yes, uh, and by share a drink, I mean Finn is uh, drinking the pig's water. Yes, that's right. So, yeah, that was. Uh, I thought that was a really creative um, uh, little creature. Again, was, I, I like the farm animal kind of um, uh, part of the world. It makes it feel flushed out that you know normal things are happening just with different species of creatures, and I've always liked that about Star Wars. Somebody built that little Hapabora trough so that he could drink on that hot desert planet. Now, see, I'm exactly. interested in who built that trough for him. We never um, find that out. I'm going to say Ray. Yeah. Great. Well, this is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, 
one of the interesting things, uh, you know, about Star Wars is the vast array of creatures, and it's it's fascinating to go back and look and see just which creatures became sort of sensational and which ones uh, fell into, you know, the, the, just the fog of forgotten memory, so... Uh, if you are a Star Wars fan and you uh, would like to add any other creatures that you think that we missed, go ahead and tweet me at DuperStorm or at FakingStarWars, and we'll be sure to include them in the next episode. Oh, here's a question, IG. If you could say what Star Wars creature I am, uh, which one would you choose? Well, I have already mentioned the Gamorrean Guard resemblance, but I think personality-wise, more Salacious Crumb. Salacious Crumb. Yeah, well, he is actually my cousin. We're both from Miami. Did you know that? Oh, I did not, but it um, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Duel of the face. Duel of the face. Well, that ominous music means it's time for another edition of Duel of the Fakes. Are you ready to play, IG? I tremble in fear, but let's do it. Of course, um, of course, you're ready. I mean, because this is all previously recorded before a live studio audience, right? Oh, it's all fake. It's all yeah. So this edition of Sweden's favorite game is dedicated to the Mandalorian. So I'll be testing your knowledge of the deepest Mandalore. I'll read three news stories related to Mandalorians, which should all be fake. Your job, smoke out the real story posing as a fake. With right. a bounty on a shape-shifting Zam Wessel, just imagine that you are Boba Fett. Except that Zam has turned herself into a fake news story, okay? Well, I mean, Boba Fett wasn't actually hunting Zam Wessel. Oh, that's right, it was Django. Yeah, yeah I know. You gotta get I, your I, facts straight. Was, yeah. Well, was like, and Django was working with her. Right. It, it, not sure exactly. Well, I mean, he did assassinate her at the end there. Because she was talking. Right. <laughs> Loose lips sink Mandalorian uh, space cruisers. Um, so, uh, number one, one of the standouts from the show Better Call Saul, the actor Michael Mando, who is clearly a Mandalorian, recently got a tattoo of the most commonly used Mandalorian symbol, known as the Kribes, or the Kribes, K-R-Y-B-E-S. You know, it's that classic skull with the tusks. You've seen that, right, IG? I believe it was in one of the animated series. Yeah, it's been a symbol around, um, you know, hipster uh, neckbeards have been getting it tattooed on their uh, forearms for several years now. Hmm. Next up, to commemorate the 40th anniversary of Boba Fett's first public appearance, Lucasfilm erected a 40-foot-tall statue of the character at this year's Modesto County Fair. All right. You ever been to Modesto? Uh, no, I haven't had the pleasure. Wonderful town. The smell of patchouli is intoxicating. I'll take your word for it. And last but certainly not least... Tamura Morrison, the New Zealand actor who played Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones, was recently cast as legendary rugby coach Eddie Jones in a film about Japan's upset victory at the 2015 Rugby World Cup. Hmm. What do you think, IG? Are you channeling your inner Mandalorian? Which story is posing as the fake? 
Is it Michael Mando and his new Mandalorian symbol tattoo? Lucasfilm celebrating Boba Fett's 40th anniversary with a 40-foot tall statue? Or Tamura Morrison playing a famous rugby coach in an upcoming cinematic extravaganza? What do you think? Getting a tattoo is believable. Of course. You know, uh, I don't know. You never know. The guy might be a Star Wars fan. So, yeah. Uh, a 40-foot-tall statue seems far-fetched. I mean, 35 at most. I mean. Yeah. You know. But one um, one foot one and, foot per year so that it rhymes, IG. This is kind of how Lucasfilm operates. I see. I see. Uh, but I don't know. Is it a permanent statue or did that, was it like, like an inflatable one? Um, I think it's actually made out of uh, melted down figures of uh, some of the uh, toys from uh, the Han Solo film. Oh, okay. So okay. it's actually plasticine. Okay, uh, and it, but I mean, and after getting and role, also Rose Tico characters figurines too. I'm going to go with number three. So you're thinking it's Tamara Morrison, the New Zealand actor? Yes, because um, I I know that that. That um, that was actually a thing, and okay. I could see him playing that role. Great, great. Well, you're right. Um, actually, that is the true story. He uh, is still acting and still being given roles, so the prequels didn't completely ruin his brand in Hollywood. Isn't that reassuring? Well, I mean, he was playing Django Fett. I mean, yeah, nobody even had to really see his face except for a few short scenes in Attack of the Clones, right? And and I mean, it wasn't it was. No one complained about Django Fett, except for, like, the premise of Django Fett. Well, how do you think he's going to actually play the role of the coach um, without a head? Oh, yeah, that's going to be a problem. Um, right. I'm assuming they've probably sewn that back on by now. I, I thought they might just go all CGI instead of using a practical head for him. Like Grand Moff Tarkin. Yes, yes, that sounds right. But, but real body, just fake head. Yeah, they could do, they could do that as well. Yeah. Well, um... You know, the background here on uh, the uh, parade, uh, the Modesto County Fair, it's actually very interesting because this is actually uh, closely related to an actual true story. Um, do you know when Boba Fett actually first appeared? That was the Star Wars Holiday Special. Well, that's what most people think, um, that he appeared in the Holiday Special as a sort of um, pre, you know, preview of his role in Empire Strikes Back. However, before that holiday special, on September 24th, 1978, was actually when Boba Fett made his first public debut. Hmm. He marched in the San Anselmo County Fair Parade. So San Anselmo uh, was home to the famous uh, Lucasfilm house at 52 Park Way, which for the longest time was the galactic core of Lucasfilm. And I know this is true because this is actually on the StarWars.com website. Okay, so they had someone with his uh, outfit on. Yeah, so actually the guy who wore the outfit was none other than Dwayne Dunham, who was actually working on uh, the film as an editor. And he's done other films uh, such as Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, and Little Giants. He also worked on Blue Velvet and Twin Peaks with David Lynch. Well, that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, so um, what happened was they brought the uh, suit over from England, and George Lucas said, put it on. 
and you know they aged it up and everything and then someone just decided hey this would be a good idea to to walk this in the movie and it was about 100 degrees they were sweating and no one even knew who this character was at the time uh but apparently at the time fans didn't really care they just kind of dealt with it they went up and asked for some autographs and that was it it appeared in the newspaper and uh you know, they could have just gone ahead and not even had the character in the movie and nobody would have thought twice. Well, I heard, like, originally the plan was that Boba Fett was going to be the main villain of the second movie. He was supposed to be Darth Vader's brother or something. Right. And and he was going to, like, Darth Vader, because at the end of A New Hope, Darth Vader spins off in his ship, and it's unclear if he's still alive or not. So I think uh, Lucas's original idea was to have Boba Fett take over as the main villain. But luckily that didn't happen. Yeah, it would have been a different saga. Uh, isn't it interesting, you know, how fandom has changed? Because back then in the 70s, here's this character walking with Darth Vader. And, you know, there are no Instagram or Twitter posts from that day at all uh, asking about who this character is. Um, none of the Reddit speculation sites have any information. I've checked very thoroughly about this event. I mean... Uh, I think it's really interesting how people in the last, you know, 30, 40 years have really started to turn up the heat in terms of speculation because I couldn't find anything about it on Twitter at all. I, I just think that people in the 70s were really apathetic about their Twitter accounts. Um, right, maybe it right. It just hadn't taken off yet. Huh, huh. Yeah, I mean, I guess people were probably tweeting more about the presidency or things like that at the time. So. Oh, well, luckily, luckily now uh, all of that is is has been corrected, and everyone is on the ball when it comes to uh, social media. Thank goodness, because what will we do with our time if it weren't for uh, Star Wars speculation? Oh my God, or hateful comments. That's right. Well, that's another great edition of Duel of the Fakes. Thanks for playing, IG. I think your uh, record is now moving into the 500 batting average. Congratulations. Almost. Almost. <laughs> yeah, you're getting there. You're getting there. You know, I want to give you some encouragement. I think the next Duel one's going to be a real big doozy, though, so get ready. Of the face. Duel of the Fakes. Hey, Storm Duper. Hey. You're aware that um, many of the comments and stuff that uh, are posted on Star Wars sites are come from Russian trolls, right? Well, that's right. Uh, Morton Bay's new research article shows that over, I think, 50% of the negative feedback from The Last Jedi was actually due to bots and Russian trolls. Yes, and of course, um, what people don't know is that many of these trolls happen to work for us. That's right. We've been having them uh, stay in our basement at Faking Star Wars Radio for several years now. Yeah, unfortunately, at this point, um, our basement no longer has space to accommodate all the trolls that we've acquired. Yeah, they just breed so quickly, you know. They're like little gremlins. Well, through some sort of asexual osmosis. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly, but yeah. Well, they say um, don't and, feed the trolls, as you know, and people have definitely been doing that with this in the Star Wars fandom, uh, so... Here at Faking Star Wars, we've um, decided to start a new charity program called Adopt a Troll. Oh. Yeah. Every day, thousands of trolls scrape out a meager living chained to our keyboards in the basement of Faking Star Wars. So for a limited time only, we're initiating an Adopt a Troll program to help alleviate this surplus. 
Okay, so IG, I mean, a lot of people have heard about these trolls, but most people don't know enough about them. I mean, is somebody who's never heard a troll before going to really risk it all and adopt one of our trolls without knowing much about them? Maybe we should let the trolls speak for themselves. I think so. So, for example, let's listen to um, a little excerpt from Gregor, one of our one of our prize trolls. Uh, American stupid dream dead. Russia is winner. America dead. Star Wars is dead. Troll always win. Charming. Yeah, and uh, here's Mikhail, who uh, is a new addition to our basement, but has really uh, brought a lot of life into uh, our community that we have. Yes, it's Star Wars, and I will destroy all social media Star Wars so Putin can be supreme ruler. These trolls are really cute, and they get into these uh, interesting conversations with each other, IG. Uh, so uh, this is actually uh, two of our most famous uh, and well-liked trolls, uh, Dmitri and Sergei. Dmitri, did you get anything to eat today? I subsist only on the tears of fanboys. Hey, pour me another glass. Mix in a little more vodka this time, because Dmitri needs to... Forget about all of this garbage on Twitter tonight. I think we're out of vodka. Uh, I have warm gin. Warm gin is a poor substitute. Only vodka. Yes, agreed. But is all we have. Faking Star Wars gives us nothing but scraps and warm gin. Dimitri, can you believe? Can you believe that Ryan Johnson actually replied to my tweet? <laughs> It's like he never yeah. used Twitter before. First time fanboy error. Personally, I'm going on to Instagram now. The last time I went on Instagram, I got a tweet from Daisy Ridley herself. She sent me a selfie. You are a liar. No, I have so... I have pinned up in my bathroom. Okay, I think that's enough of that. Oh, um, geez, yes, however... please turn it off before uh, before yeah. we our phones go absolutely haywire here with people wanting to adopt these cute little guys. Yeah, I mean, um, so if you are interested in adopting one of these adorable trolls that we have chained in our basement, please send 1995 plus shipping and handling to Faking Star Wars. Act now because supplies are limited. Faking Star Wars listener mail. Hey, Stormtrooper, do you know what time it is? I do, IG. It is time for listener mail. This comes to us from Slugman Attacks uh, uh, at Twitter. And Slugman, I'm assuming it's a man because they are called Slugman, writes, Hey, FSW Radio and Duper Storm, hey, would you rather milk one of Luke's manatee siren creatures or... Clean the Fathier Space Horse stalls on Canto Bites. Interesting question. They actually pose this question as a part of a poll as well. So, what about it, IG? Would you rather milk the manatee or uh, clean up the poo-poo? I think we would all rather milk those manatees. Well, I've been dreaming about them for a long time, ever since the uh, movie first came out. But let's not neglect the... Uh, wonderful smell uh you know that you could find of that barn uh of the fathers on canto bite i've heard that that poo has special properties like skincare or something 
oh, that's a great idea. We should actually uh, formulate some and try to see if uh, people would be interested in buying it on the next episode. Maybe uh, Galaxy Shine can increase its product range. There you go. Yes. Father or fresh, let's call it. Ah. Smell the aroma. Yeah. It's like a little bit of like a mud mask kind of thing, you know? It's invigorating. It helps you escape from parking authorities anywhere in the galaxy. But then you're comparing that to green milk from manatee boobs. Right, right. I mean, I will say that uh, for me, I would probably choose the manatee. Um, but I just, you know, I want to, I want to keep an open mind here on the podcast and consider all possibilities. Well, if you have a message for us, you can hit us up on Twitter or uh, call into our studio in Kansas City, where we've moved recently, and from Topeka. And we're back. Uh, so we're here today with um, Morton. Did I say that right? Morton Bay? Is it correct? Uh, anything uh, where you don't call me an asshole works. There you go. So um, Morton is a researcher. Uh, he is at, if I'm not mistaken, USC's digital Center for the Digital Future. Is that correct? That is correct. Great. And um, so what we want to talk about today, by the way, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you know, Thank we you. are fans of yours. We've been uh, tweeting and retweeting many of the things over the years with you. And it's a it's a thrill to actually get to talk to you in person, finally. Ditto. So uh, you've gotten a little bit of notoriety the last few weeks uh, with an article that you published through um, an academic channel. And we're curious, just, you know, we know there's been a lot of discussion about Russian trolls in the media with the election and with all sorts of things with uh, the president. I don't want to say his name here, but, um, you know, so all that kind of stuff uh, has been coalescing in in the media. And now uh, you found out that there's a little bit more to it, that it's not simply uh, uh, related to influencing elections, but uh, it seems like some of the negative uh, information that came out about The Last Jedi in terms of fandom, uh, you know, I, I guess I heard the Rotten Tomatoes rating. Some people claim that it was artificially low. Uh, maybe that's related to some of the stuff you're going to be talking about. But um, kind of give a, our fans here a, a basic understanding of what you were studying, why you were studying it, and uh, what we can take from it. What really happened was, you know, I, I had uh, sent my dissertation to my committee and was kind of bored over the summer and wanted to do some something that would, you know, add to my resume in terms of um, uh, in terms of, of, of studies. And then were you ABD um, at UCLA? Is that what it was? What's that say again? Were you ABD at UCLA? Is that what it was? Correct. Or, yes. Is that right? Interesting. Um, I was finished. I've, I was. I've, I'd actually even defended my dissertation at this point. They were. We were just waiting to like finish the formatting and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Uh, so, so I was kind of done. Um, uh, and uh, and I've been looking at uh, for a while. I've been like looking at at sort of the whole Last Jedi discussion on Ryan, Ryan Johnson's Twitter page uh, because I thought it, like people were going nuts. And uh, and so I did a, a small study that was very small code word small because that's that was right. the whole point the whole, the whole point was to just do a little fun fun little little thing and then you know i sent it to a journal that i know has a, a quick turnaround just to see if there was any interest and there was and so they you know threw it through two two uh 
rounds of peer review and uh, accepted it for publication. And I was like, oh, this is great. And then Excellent. so when uh, you know, I I was I was uh, when when they came back to me and said that it was going to be published, I was like, great, let me tweet this out. I'd already shared a little bit of the of the information. Uh, uh, with Ryan on his Twitter page, uh, just because there was a discussion that was relevant to, to the study I was doing. Of course. There were uh, a, a number of people who were just doing it because they wanted to prove some political point. Uh, they were literally not Star Wars fans. They just wanted to get in there and be political. Right. And I thought that was that was interesting because I hadn't really seen that in fandom before. I'd seen you know fans with political opinions. But that's different. This is the, the, these are people that will enter the the discussion itself only to make a political point and then get out again. Um, that's like, uh, and then there are of course variations on that. But that's like the main crux of it. Um, and and as is the case with all online discussions right now, there were also some some uh, Russian trolls in there. Uh, you know, they're everywhere and have been since 2014. Uh, okay. So it's not weird that they're in there. And so of course I mentioned that. Um, and and that has to be you know part of the the narrative uh, because it's a finding right, so I, I put it in the tweet that I send out and I put it in the um, uh, the abstract and obviously that was what the media picked up on <laughs> even th even though it's like the tiniest little insignificant fraction part of, of, your study. Of, of yeah yeah it uh, well I mean it's not insignificant but. It's just, it's so small that it really just is, uh, you know, this is just what happens now. This is the new normal, right? Sure, sure. So, so, so it's just like, and then people just went nuts. And, you know, it was like, I've seen some, I think it was IndieWire that wrote something about, uh, you know, half of all people that hate The Last Jedi are Russian bots. <laughs> There's just so many things wrong with that. You know, one thing right. is that bots and trolls are, are not the same thing. You know, one no. is a machine, another is human. So, yeah, I've been doing back-to-back -back interviews for five days now. <laughs> oh, wow. That's fantastic. I'm so happy for you. You know, I mean, Thank especially you. since you just kind of walked through an open door and then you saw, you know, what can happen sometimes <laughs> in that case. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it becomes a little more significant when you have people who say, uh, enter the, you know, go make a comment within a discussion about The Last Jedi to make a point about gun rights. Uh, you know, <laughs> right, that's, right, that's, right. and that's, you know, that's a, that's a real example from the study, right? So it's, it's, uh, especially because it says something about the polarization of our entire discourse, right? It, it, yes. it says something about where we are as a society. And I think that's, that's, uh, worrisome. You know, I think it's, it's, uh, I think it's concerning that, that we, that we can't have a fun talk about, um, uh, and, and discuss like the politics of Star Wars where within the galaxy um, you know, without what, it why, spilling over into real, real life, right? Right. I mean, I'd much rather talk about uh, Geonosians uh, uh, <laughs> working condition while building the first Death Star, right? Uh, than I than I want to talk like mix that in with uh, with some stupid political agenda that has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. I mean, where where before it was okay to sort of make fun of all this stuff. Uh, you know, we, we at the site have taken this, uh, really taken the reins on this and just gone crazy because we, we just kind of, if you could put our ideology into a few words, it's just like star Wars should be fun. And right. so we react against sort of some of that, uh, serious energy that comes out, you know, people taking it too seriously because it, it does kind of make it into something that is too, uh, serious and political. Not, not to say that Star Wars can't be political. It certainly can be in the right ways, but we, we want it to, 
we we want it to be a place where every fan can have an opinion and i mean even on the site some of us have radically different political agendas i'm sure but but the point is just to make it fun and that's why we like to fake people and troll people to some degree because <laughs> it's it is entertaining and it you know we're trying to remind people that you know take take a chill pill you know yeah i mean look let's just remember that this is a you know as somebody put it one of the main characters is a guy living in his in, in his van with his dog right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like we have a, a, a male version of maria from from fritz lang's metropolis walking around with a with something that's <laughs> in between a vacuum cleaner and a and a and a dustbin you know it's like right uh, come on let's let, yes there are there are messages in there that that relate to taoism and zen buddhism uh, and and some very very good moral um, uh, discussion goes on there. There's a lot about personality development, a lot about coming of age, sure. and there are politics in there. It is a center left franchise. I mean, right. Lucas has said so many times. Colonialism is definitely part of the original trilogy's uh, thing. Right. And then if you look at the, um, you know, the the decay of democracy, I think is the primary theme of yeah. the uh, this the prequel trilogy. I'm not yeah. quite sure what the sequel trilogy really is about. I mean, it's right now it's sort of more of a commentary on identity and uh, good and evil, I think. But so yeah, I, I, mean, th I think so. I think it's. I mean, I to be to me the 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 politics of the sequel trilogy really just follows in the vein of the rest of it. I mean, it's anti-war. Sure. It's uh, it's uh, anti-misuse of power, uh, you know, all the good liberal stuff. You know? <laughs> so who are these Russian trolls and, and why are they so hungry, I guess, is the question. Well, I was mostly looking into uh, the politicization of, um, uh, of, of Star Wars fandom in general. So uh, basically the, the, the main crux of the study is to look at people that are, uh, you know, uh, not trolls, untrolls, if you will. Um, that 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 just use the the, the Star Wars discussions uh, to to get in there and try to put, prove some kind of political point without really being true fans. Um, but uh, while doing that, I stumble across uh, you know a, a small number of Russian trolls or what appears to be Rus Russian trolls based on some criteria that some people that are much smarter than me developed. And um, and uh, it's uh, you know looking at it, I was like, this is interesting. Now, uh, Russian trolls have been everywhere online and uh, where where Americans go uh, on the internet uh, since about 2014. So it's not weird that they're also in the Star Wars discussion. But you know, looking at them, it was interesting to see what they were like and what they were doing. So that's that's part that's that part of the study. Interesting. So uh, you're, you said you're interested in the politicization of Star Wars and fandom. Uh, how did you get interested in that? And where, you know, where do you come to it with your perspective? Well, you know, I, I've, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, as uh, as hopefully in, anybody who is listening to this uh, also are. But the, the all two of them are. We've checked with both yes. of them, and they are. <laughs> Call so. both of them. Okay. Uh, the um, uh, so yeah no. Um, uh, you know, I was just fascinated with the whole Last Jedi discussion, and and uh, and uh, I've you know I've I've done a lot of studies of misinformation, uh, you know, being coming out of information studies. Uh, so I thought it was interesting to see how you know people were throwing around really uh, weirdly interpreted uh, factoids when they were when they were trying to defend whether there was a majority that loved or hated the Last Jedi during the early days of of uh, you know right after it opened. Um, so I've been following this for a while just to try and see what, what how, how are people using uh, or misrepresenting facts to make their argument. And uh, and that was actually why I started looking at the tweets, 
But then, as often happens in social um, science studies, once I got all the tweets together and and looked at them, something else popped up, which was this politicization. You know, this uh, this sure. idea that that um, uh, that some people um, just jumped in because they saw a conflict that was already there. Uh, they saw a rift in in Star Wars fandom, and they jumped in to see if they could make that rift worse. That's like that's uh, that was the Russian tactic during the the 2016 election uh, in here in the U.S. Uh, but it also seems to be the tactic of Americans that are just trying to to, to politicize the the discussion. Uh, just you know, be as nasty as you can in order to uh, you know create bigger divides rather than building bridges. See, we at Faking Star Wars have sort of tried to take that coin and turn it on its head. Our policy is to just completely make fun of everybody without any discrimination whatsoever in an effort to bring everyone together in a humiliated, just wet, soggy, you know, uh, sock on the floor. I mean, uh, we want to tear people's self-esteem down to the point that they just they have no choice but to be friends with everyone. I like the, the egalitarian uh, aspect of that. That's uh, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, that that's one of our values here at Faking Star Wars is egalitarianism. So. Okay. Cool. I mean, that's. Uh, uh, I I don't know. I mean, it seems like you guys are are are. You know, there's at least one point where you're not being very egalitarian, and that's like you're you're giving the the trolls uh, uh, that you have in your basement a little more um, preferential treatment than anybody else. Well, they they were original. Um, you know, they're I don't know. Like, have you looked at certain like exotic pets? They always rate them based on like how many generations from the original parents they are. Um, so if you got like a Savannah cat, you can get like, um, I think they call it like an F4 or an F5. It means that this cat has, is now like five generations down the road. And that cat is going to be a little more, uh, a little bit more affordable for you. But if you got a troll or a cat, that's like that first generation, then it's much more expensive. So we have some of the original trolls, uh, in our basement. And so, you know, it, it's only fair to them that we price them accordingly. So like when we're adopting them out and things like that, we have to recognize their worth it just wouldn't be fair otherwise but 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 don't you know they're evil don't well, you know they're satan's work this is this is satan you know going through the trolls now now like i said i mean that that's where the egalitarian comes back in because uh we we sort of take our motto from from uh, uh you know f uh, from star wars itself where you know good and evil it's a certain point of view i mean uh you know, think of Sheev Palpatine's words to Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. I mean, the Jedi and the Sith are are similar in many different ways, and so we don't want to presume the the trolls' essential value just based on what other people may think of them. We want to give them a chance to prove their worth and see what happens. So, but but you know, okay. So what you're saying is that even though you have the Antichrist in your basement, you would rather have them. Uh, you know, you'd rather feed that just out of egalitarian reasons. I think that's that's uh, that's a pretty uh, morally uh, uh, speculative bad place to be. Yeah, I don't think that, I'm not sure I'm on board with that. And actually, I just want to like uh, just to give your your listeners a, a different perspective here. You know, I have I've created a, a device. Uh, it's it's a it's it's very cool. It has both an online component and and a real sort of. Uh, uh, if this had been video, you would have been able to see how how big it is. Um, it's, it's like a physical manifestation. It's it's it looks like a, something in between uh, a, a a mix between an electric guitar, a, a broomstick, and a a machine gun. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, and it basically what it does it's it performs a, an instant um, uh, an 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 instant exorcism on on uh, trolls sort of like a cranial lobotomy from a distance 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it pulls Satan Satan out of the trolls so that that wow. that that they can go back to being, you know, good Christian uh, 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 moral uh, warriors uh, for for you know uh, the the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think it's um, <laughs> it's uh, it's really important that we that we start using that on them. And and I, I honestly I don't really appreciate you guys trying to breed these trolls because they're just gonna they're they're gonna spread like. But then again, I guess you know we are we we are at end times anyway. So I guess this is just another another sign of the end times coming, right? Well, look, I mean, I I don't want you to get the impression that we are just advocating for spreading you know these trolls uh, into fandom all across the globe. I mean, there is a reason we have them locked in the basement, okay? And I will have you know that some of the uh, trolls actually working on uh, Twitter and Instagram uh, tweeting these things at Ryan Johnson. Um, you know, Ryan Johnson himself has responded, and that has actually given him a lot of notoriety uh, and and probably saved his job because it gave him the impetus to delete his entire Twitter account. And so if it hadn't been for our trolls, uh, Ryan Johnson may have not deleted some of those inflammatory tweets that might have gotten him his job lost. Ergo, his new trilogy might have been canceled by Disney, and that would mean that you would not have uh, a Disney uh, Star Wars trilogy to discuss in the future. So, you know, I mean, I think you have to consider this from all sides. We are doing fans a service by uh, harboring these trolls. They are locked safely in the basement. We only let them out twice a year uh and they are always on leashes i'm just gonna say fake news wrong uh no seriously i think you know the the thing about the what what this study uh says about um where we are right now is of course that we are we're in a situation where uh as i've put it elsewhere when you when you uh, when you're when you're sort of going around social media in general the situation right now is that you have to act like you are in a new city in a foreign country. You have to be paranoid in the same way. You have to be uh, vigilant in the same way. And I don't think we deserve that. I think social media sure. can be better than that. And I think we should uh, we we should we should fight against that tendency because it shouldn't be that just because you're a Star Wars fan and you want to share you know analysis or or, or uh, experiences with Star Wars with your uh, peers. That you uh, that you have to be paranoid about it and be afraid to be politicized and 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 be afraid to 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 be you know engaged in some kind of uh, unrelated uh, completely vitriolic discussion. That should be. I'm not saying that you know everything. Of course, is political. Um, and there are you know you don't. Well, really we are have we safe... are we all are trying to make the galaxy great again, uh, Morton. So yes, exactly right. Uh, so that's the point. You know, the the point is uh, let's. I think I think one thing that you can go do go going forward, which I which I've advocated for, is you know start start calling out people that hide behind avatars. You know it's 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 vitally important in media that we that we uh, that we give people the opportunity to be anonymous because it means you know you can do whistleblowing or you can you can engage with communities that you're not ready to make public, which I think is a uh, is a is a right. Um, uh, you know it's it's a constitutional right, in fact. Uh, but there is also just the, the matter of, you know, when you're on uh, you're on, in a Twitter discussion with Star Wars and somebody says something that you find deeply offensive, you know, say, OK, great. You just made a, an incredibly offensive comment. Who are you? Well, this is an interesting point because, I mean, one of the reasons why we do have avatars on the site is because, I mean, me personally, I have actually gotten at least uh, 100 death threats 
uh, for my work in parody and comedy alone. And I have never once posted anything remotely offensive about Star Wars ever. Okay, so right. I mean, here you are talking about somebody who's pure as the driven snow, and even I am getting death threats on Twitter. And so I think that you're right. I mean, that negativity and that politicization it, it makes it into an environment where fans feel the need to be anonymous for their own survival, really. So. But I also think it's important that somebody would be willing to say, okay, look, I said I said this, I mean it, and here's a photo of me. This is actually who I am. This is where I live. Uh, I'm not afraid to, to say my opinion, and I'm not afraid to put my face to it. Very good, very good. Well, um, I would I would caution you to some extent because you know there there are fans out there who have driven by my house and thrown pizza uh, on my porch with uh, you know my face you know cut into the pizza decapitated um as a threat <laughs> so you know I, I mean i do i do want fans to be open and i want them to use media uh, especially social media responsibly when they're talking about star wars but you you always have to consider that the person you may be talking to might uh you know might actually be uh you know a psychopath so you know i want to, i want i want fans i don't want to be responsible for anybody's uh you know death by pizza or anything like that so i just want to put that out there so that you know i'm absolved of any liability uh yeah i get i get that and by the way i'm not sure death by pizza sounds as as like a really bad thing if you're (laughs) if you have to go out pizza sounds like a pretty good way to go fair enough fair enough but it is an epidemic i mean they've done statistical analyses of death by pizza as it coordinates to releases of new star wars properties and there definitely is a strong correlation there uh p value i think was like p uh you know point zero 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 three so that's a fairly reliable coefficient yeah (laughs) yeah it depends on what method you're using but yes as far as the site is concerned and what we do here on the podcast, we really just want to have fun and, and give people a chance to take a deep breath and, and realize that, yeah, I mean, there are trolls out there. There are people out there who take this really, really seriously. Um, but, but we love it too much to take it that seriously. Does that make sense? I think that's a great point. And I think if you're not, um, there must always be room for uh, sensible satire i mean the one true thing about us is that we you know we post on everything that we are faking star wars i mean the, the whole yeah. point of this is that it is completely satire and fake and so i don't think we're, we're really misleading people in that no. way um but but some people just don't get it you know they can't handle it they are, some people also think fox news is real news right Right. Well, we actually uh, we actually have been asked to be on Fox News, and we we uh, rejected their invitation because they just the um, the writer that we asked for um, we were going to bring our trolls with us. You know, whenever we do media appearances, we always bring a few with us and like to have them in the studio, uh, just as a little bit of comfort and moral support, kind of like a like a companion dog. Um, and when Fox News invited us invited us on, and we made our request, uh, you know, we needed to have uh, specific kinds of snacks and treats available for them you know uh, bat brain soup and all kinds of other things and they were very uh you know very reticent to give us any assistance whatsoever so that's why we weren't even able to go on their show so if that tells you anything about the quality of that news organization i don't know what does yeah, I mean, color me surprised that they'll be, uh, you know, that they're discriminatory against trolls. Yeah. Speaking of The Last Jedi and Ryan Johnson, what was your favorite part of that film, if you have one? The philosophical Star Wars. The, right. The, that was what I what I loved most about it. The way the, that uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi describes the Force in A New Hope, uh, you know, is almost directly lifted from 
from the Dao de Jing. And, and so there are, there are just all these, sure. it's been there all the way. And the, 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 the struggle internally between good and evil in each person, Anakin Skywalker, uh, you know, coming, coming back and redeeming himself and returning the Jedi, it's right there. It's one of the things like Star Wars gave me two, two big things. You know, it gave me a love of technology or an interest in technology, I should say, because not all technology is lovable, but, um, and, and it gave me a, um, and it gave me an insight into, uh, Eastern philosophy, both of which have, have co defined my life completely. I see. Well, my favorite part of the last Jedi was when nobody stepped in the poopy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Morton, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, and we do wish you well. Absolutely. Anytime. Great, great. Well, thank you so much for your time, and may the foe be with you. <laughs> and to you, my my good sir. Well, you know what that sound means, don't you, IG? It's time for Tweet of the Week. I wait with bated breath. Well, it's been an interesting week with uh, Star Wars for all kinds of reasons, of course, but uh, this tweet comes to us from Willie Bobo at Faking Star Wars on Twitter, and he tweeted, White male filmmakers celebrate three more years under Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, you probably have heard the news recently that Kathleen Kennedy's contract at Lucasfilm was extended for three more long, glorious years. What's your thoughts on that? All right, I don't really have a big problem with uh, with Kathleen Kennedy taking it on for another three years. Really? I mean, a lot of fans think that uh, Disney is uh, sort of playing both sides by having uh, a woman in charge of Lucasfilm who has only given directorial jobs to white males. How would you respond to that? I don't, I don't really care who makes a Star Wars movie as long as they do a good job. Now, have they done that? debatable i don't think the color of skin or their gender has influenced that however right right so do you think in the future that kathleen kennedy will take her three years of tenure and do something a little bit edgier and and maybe bring in some other directors of different ethnicities and uh, gender roles again i don't really care who makes the movies i just want to see them you know make creative choices uh i'd like to see them expand Star Wars out of it, the narrow confines of um, the trilogies uh, so that, you know, we can enjoy the universe with, you know, smugglers and you know, like I, I kind of want to see some. Right. OK, yeah. great, great. Well, if you have any tweets that you'd like us to read on the air, you can get to me at Duberstorm or Willie Bobo at Faking Star Wars and we'll be happy to read your tweet on the air. IG, it's time for a Twitter poll. I know how much you love these. They stir my soul. Great. Well, this time, since you're not on Twitter, I thought we'd do a little bit of a guess here, and you can try to guess what the prompt is, okay? Here are the three oh. choices. Match made in heaven. No way. He won't say yes. And he hasn't been on yet? So what do you think I'm asking about in this poll? Um, I'm hoping it's not something from your grinder account. <laughs> Uh, I'm very sorry to disappoint. Actually, uh, we asked Ahmed Best um, to be on the podcast. You may know that he played Jar Jar Binks in the original, uh, well, not the original, the prequel trilogy. And this poll says that Ahmed Best is and always will be the best. That's why we are considering asking him to be on our podcast to talk about all his famous music. You may not know, but he is actually an accomplished electronic dance music artist now. Did you know that? 
I did not, no. Oh, yes, and actually his name is interesting. It's actually DJ Starfaker. So, uh, DJ Starfaker, I'm at best. We'd love to have you on the podcast. This is an actual official invite if you listen. Um, otherwise, uh, we threw it out to the fans, and the choices were, if we had him on the podcast, would it be, number one, a match made in heaven, or no way, he won't say yes, or he hasn't been on yet. What? So, what do you think the fans out there chose? Um, I'm going to say with Match Made in Heaven. You're absolutely right, with 100% of the votes. So, if that's not a confirmation that this needs to happen, I don't know what is. As you know, unanimity means consent. So, please, Ahmed, if you're out there, we'd love to have you on next week. Have you listened to some of his music? I have not. I didn't even know he was. I didn't know he was doing music. Yep, it's sort of a secret thing. But now the cat is out of the bag, and that Gungan is making people shake their booty across the galaxy. Stormtrooper, would you like to hear a story? I'd love to. Well, as you know, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, I was created as a nearly immortal uh, assassin droid. Great. Immortal, huh? So you mean we have to deal with you for more than the next 30 years? Well, it's several, several thousand, but okay. Um, I grew bored with that, and I've been wandering the universe, and during that time, I've had many, you know, different career paths. Um, one, back in 1977, um, was as a uh, entertainment reporter for a small radio station. Wow, fascinating. The things I didn't know about you. Yeah, well, you learn something new every day. Some of so, us do. So back then, I had the pleasure of going to a small movie set called Blue Harvest. Blue Harvest. That sounds familiar for some reason. Yes, yes. Um, so I was there to conduct an interview um, about the movie and the sets and, and just find out information and report it back. Um, and I found this old recording in my memory banks. Really? Wow. Now, for the fans yes. out there who may not know, what is Blue Harvest? Well, Blue Harvest was the original code name for the Star Wars uh, A New Hope production, of course, before it was called A New Hope. Interesting. Interesting. So you were actually there on set doing uh, research for a news story. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Wow. We'd love to hear that tape. Did you bring it with you today? I, I did, and I think uh, it might be interesting for the fans out there to uh, to listen to uh, what I discovered on set. Fantastic. Cue it up. This is IG69 for KBSN Radio, no number 367 on your AM dial. Here, live in Tunisia, on the mysterious set of Blue Harvest. Let's see what's going on on this wacky movie set. G'day, sir. I'm IG69 for KBSN Radio. Well, Radio, on... how are you? Um, I'm fine, sir. Uh, just wondering, um, we're here on this mysterious movie set called Blue Harvest. Um, could you please, sir, tell us what this movie is about? I've been actually sworn to secrecy, secrecy. I was told that if I divulge any information, I, I would not be getting my vouchers for my uh, fried chicken and mashed potato meals. Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, can you at least tell us um, who is the director in charge of this fine film? 
I don't know his name. It's a slender man with a beard. Uh, you know, he, he keeps barking orders at me, telling me what to do uh, faster, more intense. Uh, I, I'm not sure about his name, though. I've never heard of him before. I think he's kind of a relative unknown in the industry, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, all right. Well, um, are you an actor in the film? Uh, I have been asked to fill in in some roles, but that was not my predominant uh, role here on the on the production. No. Well, what is your role here? Oh, uh, I'm I'm what you call an assistant uh, assistant producer. I I basically do all the stuff that nobody else wants to do. Yeah, I I'm fairly hard up. I I was uh, I was a, an addict you see on the streets for a long time, and somebody put a a piece of paper on a tree asking for uh, crew members, and I was the first to jump on the boat because I was in a desperate situation. You know what I'm saying? Oh, well, that that sounds interesting. So, um, what type of characters have you been uh, have you been filling in for? Well, somebody put a, a big brown cloak around me and put some eyeballs on my face, and they, they told me to talk in a high squeaky voice. I'm not really sure what's going on. I think this film might be about drug use. That's something I'm trying to avoid. You see, I, this is a new new chapter in my life, but uh, you just can't escape it. It's all around you. You see. Oh, so this is this is kind of a, a crime drama. I think so. I, like I said, I am sworn to secrecy. I, I you know, I, I don't need to be. I can't be telling you too much here. Oh, all right. Well, um, could you at least tell us like the genre of the film? Uh, well, I have noticed that they've been building some igloos uh, out of mud. That's one of the things I was asked to do. They they are told me to start digging up the sand here in Tunisia and start producing these huts. Uh, so a lot of my time has been spent making cement, uh, cement out of sand and glue, Elmer school glue. We, we brought several cases of that, and uh, we're making these huts here uh, in the desert. So it may be okay, an Eskimo film, huh? Oh, so kind of like a, a desert Eskimo drug use film? Yeah, I think it's a new genre of film. Wow, well, that's a, that sounds pretty interesting. Um... Hey, it's money, Sonny. Whatever I can do here to earn a buck is what I'm talking about, you know. All right, well, I'm looking over in in the distance there, and and I see like a a sort of um, shiny shiny gold person walking there. Um, What's his story? Oh, I think that may be a tax collector or there's one of these uh, guys who comes around trying to get people to pay him to keep quiet on certain issues. Uh, he actually he actually surprised me the other day while I was in my in my uh, trailer. He came in looking for uh, something and uh, he asked me he asked me if I could help him actually put his suit on. It was very embarrassing because I, I'm not uh, I'm not interested in that kind of thing if you know what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, people get right. lonely uh, here in the desert, and I, you know, I think he's been here. Uh, he may have gone delirious and lost his mind, but uh, in any case, I, I tried to explain to him that I have several contractible venereal diseases, and he don't want to have anything to do with me, but uh, he wouldn't listen. I eventually had to just throw him out. All right, well, um, what about that guy over at the craftswork table in the giant, um, I'm going to go Sasquatch suit? Oh yeah, he's been very kind. Uh, a lot of people on set have found him to be a, a very good listener. We we've spent a lot of time complaining to him about our problems that we've had. See, uh, the the production was halted because of a storm, and and uh, we have been we've been eating basically scraps for the last few weeks. Hmm. Okay. Well, that, that sounds like you have a, a lot of issues here. Um. 
Is there anything you can tell us about the, this project? Well, I'm trying to lodge a formal complaint with the uh, Directors Guild of America about the director because he has been treating me with great contempt. I can't imagine why. All right, well, thank you for your time. Um, IG69 for KBSN, uh, signing out. So, what did you think of the recording, uh, Storm Duper? Uh, IG, I mean, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but your skills as a reporter are pretty, pretty horrifying. I can see why you were fired from that job. Yeah, I, I got fired from there pretty quick. It was, uh, I, I am not skilled at that. No, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of embarrassing. You must have a lot of confidence to even be willing to share that with the fans out there. And we're back. Well, it is my esteemed pleasure to welcome to the first time on the podcast, Mr. Sir Darth Lord Dribble himself, all the way from the coast of Mustafar. How are you, Lord Dribble? It's a little warm. It's a little warm. I'm doing well. I've, uh, I've taken a brief break from pissing off everyone on Twitter to, to be here. Did you finally uh, succumb to all of our death threats to agree to be on the podcast, or how did we get you on? I think I just checked my inbox for once and saw the request and thought, that sounds like fun. Well, we are all privileged to have you here. And uh, at what, what a great time to have someone uh, with your knowledge of the industry on the podcast because we got some huge news this week about the first ever Star Wars live action uh, television show. Uh, can you brief us on that? Well, what's fun about it is uh, I haven't been able to watch today's Collider Jedi Council, so I haven't been told how to feel about this news yet. So it's very, very exciting to have uh, my own original opinion that hasn't been shoved down my throat by many, many other Star Wars fans. That's okay. I'll tell you how to feel. I'm a huge fan of John Favreau. Always have been since Swingers and Made back in the day. And it's been interesting to watch him climb the ranks. And, you know, he's had a few misses with Zathura. And he's made one of the greatest holiday classics of all time in Elf. Jungle Book was a hell of a good special effects movie and family crowd pleaser. And, you know, I think he's he's ripe for it. So after I read, you know, the official, I, really the only synopsis that we know is what he released on Instagram yesterday, which reads, The Mandalorian. After the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the uh, the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. So what I get out of that is, one, it's going to have nothing to do with the First Order. There's no Kylo Ren. There's no Snoke. There's no anything that we've come to know and love or hate from the new trilogy. Uh, it's also after set after the original film, so we're not going to deal with anything with Palpatine or the original Jedi or anything like that. And by setting it in the outer reaches of the galaxy, quote-unquote, we're just off on a separate adventure, except for, I'm sure, for the odd crossover and a lot of familiar ships and some references to planets and events. So I think that's the smartest move they can do because we're not tied to something that everybody loves. That's my biggest thing with the the Luke Skywalker complaints of, 
episode eight. I don't believe that anybody truly hates the story they got. It's just not the story that they expected. It's really different, right? I mean, they went off on the deep end, which was a cool risk, but I think you're right. I mean, Star Wars has a little bit of that Christmas sentimentality. I get what I am expecting sort of at Christmas, right? But what's cool about it is what I did read from uh, Collider and Birth Death movies is the fact that it focuses on Boba Fett's son. So it's keeping in line. There was Django, then there was Boba, and like everything in Star Wars, this is the third chapter. The you know the it's the third Boba trilogy or 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 Fett entry into it. Um, so we're gonna find out how he got the name Fett, what that what that means, and and we don't know the first name yet. But just the fact that they're gonna continue that Corky. heritage. How about I think, Corky Fett? So, so yeah. So is he is he a clone? Is itch is Itchy Fett a clone? <laughs> itchy. Or is I, he... I like that. Yeah. Yeah, is is Lumpy a clone, or is he uh, was is he half clone and and you know bred with a woman this time and of natural birth, or a robot? He could be half cybernetic. It you know it's it's not it's not un, unlike Star Wars to have uh, cybernetics in it. So I I just wonder, and also you know it it doesn't specifically say the son; it said the child. So there's a good chance that this will be. You know, we can all clap for it too that this will be another female warrior in Star Trixie Wars. Fett, Trixie lead. Fett. Female lead. Trixie Fett. Trixie Fett rides along the uh, <laughs> prostitute line too much. I don't know if Disney will go for that necessarily. Right. Well, we already had that in Return of the Jedi anyway with Jabba, I guess. So, But what's, what's interesting, you know, you've got a, a television show. They keep comparing the budget to Game of Thrones, but now that it looks like they might have this female lead. It's very much like Game of Thrones because essentially she's going to be the uh, Khaleesi of Star Wars. Interesting. I hadn't heard that part yet that it's probably going to be a woman. And also I I was under the impression that it might have just been loosely related to – to I'm almost said Booby Fett because we're talking about women. But you know, Boba Fett as, <laughs> as, as like um, his her father or, or whatever. So – Talk about the name. I, to me, I was surprised that they would call it that because it's only the true, you know, pizza munching fans who even know the reference to the Mandalorian. But to come out with a huge Game of Thrones style show and call it that, do you think that's a risk? Yeah. Well, so the Mandalorian, you know, and I all I know about it is that really I, I'm I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but those are Boba Fett's people. That's this order. That's this this planet like i don't even know exactly where it starts and ends so they're they're doing the smart thing and they're staying away from mixing up with other canon uh ideas and they're doing something totally fresh totally new uh yeah i mean i think i think the show is probably going to be a winner you know i i just can't wait for everybody to hotly debate it and if you saw the you know our our sister site over at mocking star wars they had some set photos the other day Okay. Uh, of, of actual like construction being done on sets, and it is 100% Tatooine and 100% the Mos Eisley Cantina. Ah, so some so of they this are going will take Western. place in familiar places, regardless what people's fan fan theories are. Boba Fett will be in it. He'll have a scarred face, but it doesn't matter. We never see it with the helmet off, but his face is very scarred from the stomach acid of the sarlacc. Uh, his trigger finger doesn't work as well anymore. Uh, again, because of an injury falling. <laughs> he has into a broken the... trigger finger. He has to use yeah, his toe. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 a bit like the original Rocky. He's going to have to learn to shoot left-handed now. Oh right. And that's a whole that's a whole curve. But of course, by the end of the season, we'll probably see him develop his skills. So that's that's why he's the biggest and best bounty hunter in the galaxy because he's able to use his skills. 
ambidextrous. Yeah, I, I actually feel like they're stealing from my unproduced Boba Fett spinoff movie scripts. Uh, I did leave it at Kathleen Kennedy's uh, studio suite doorstep at uh, Disneyland here really? in California. But I, there's a couple things that if, if, if they show up, I'm definitely going to have to have a lawsuit and I'm definitely going to have to rally the fan community to stand behind me blindly and scream at Disney that they're just doing things wrong and stealing from the wrong people. Well, Drivel, as you know, it is impossible for two people to have the same idea about one uh, creative uh, topic without one of the other people having been robbed from. I mean, the Lucasfilm Story Group really does know all. So there's a good chance that what's happened is that I've sort of subconsciously just tapped into what they've all, their hive mind has already created. And really, I'm I'm sort of the thief without no. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm absolutely. I'm, I'm I'm accidentally stealing from the only people who know how to tell Star Wars stories now, which is the 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 Lucasfilm Story Group. Which again, a round of round of applause because everything we've seen so far since 2015 has been magic. Slam dunks and all around. Everything, right? Everything. I mean, Solo, a Star Wars story, is the freshest, most original Star Wars movie we've had. I, I see the Twitter reviews all day long. I couldn't agree more. And that's why we have you on the po the podcast, because you are saying exactly what I want you to do. Uh, and, and you know, we don't believe in originality on the podcast. Uh, what we are trying to promote here is a sense of, um, you know, real connectedness. And, uh, you know, when people all think and say the same things, then it makes them feel comfortable with themselves and their self-esteem. Uh, and, and then there's no worries. There's no phantom menace lurking in the shadows that's going to take you away. There's no Twitter of trolls that are going to make fun of you for being overweight or for having a crappy cosplay costume. And your feelings won't be hurt. And that's what we're trying to do here on the podcast. So I really appreciate you coming in and telling us, uh, you know, first of all, about the show. But second of all, how to think about Star Wars. I mean, that's really the critical point here. There's going to be a lot of people out there that are have already had to check into therapy because they can't handle the idea of there being a live action TV show. I mean, that alone, regardless of what it is. If you're not told by the internet how to feel about Star Wars, you aren't a Star Wars fan. That's really what it adds up to. Absolutely not. I'll also, I promise if you hear any clinking next to my microphone, that's just from my glass of uh, blue milk. I like to have it very cold. That's the only way to drink it. So um, let's let's think about the uh, kind of the story arc, if you will, for a series about uh, Mandalore bounty hunter renegade. You know, it might be a fish out of water story, or it might be a revenge story. I did just see that the planet is actually called Mandalore. It is, yeah. Mandalore was the name of the planet because originally only men were on the planet. So it's the Mandalore, you know, it's like the lore of men on this one planet, oh, totally now insulated. Because of, now from... because of Sabine, Sabine in Rebels, which, which again, there's a good chance we'll find out that Sabine is the Boba Fett offspring. She may That's be. a very real possibility now. They like to tie everything together. I, what, I, what I read here in Wikipedia, which everybody knows is 100% accurate when it comes to Star Wars references, is that the Mandalorians had a particularly unique role in galactic history as legendary warriors against the Jedi. Yeah, well, wasn't their role to sort of, they were sort of Jedi hunters in a way, from what I remember. I wonder if perhaps they're still helping to track down some of the last of the Jedi in this series. If that's Maybe. the Empire connection that this, you know, team of Mandalorians are like an elite assassin squad, almost like the Death Troopers from Rogue One that we were introduced to where they, they, you know, Darth Vader 
needs their, you know, maybe we'll see a hologram of Vader. Maybe we'll hear his voice. Maybe we'll just hear him by name mention only, but they're working for the empire, the remnants of the empire really, or had a mission before, you know, Darth Vader died, whatever it is. So we see some old hologram and it's their job to help, um, you know, hunt down the rest of them, which could introduce Obi-Wan could introduce cameos from lots of other people. I can't wait for the the tweet wave of people who uh, binged it first and have to let us all know that they binged it first. It's gonna it's gonna be an excellent Star Wars day on Twitter. I I'm just hoping I don't have to purge afterwards too. All right, well, um, so uh, Lord Drivel, you know, I uh, I like to keep a firm eye on the news, of course. Um, and there's just been a lot of new announcements lately with Star Wars, a lot of new properties, a lot of new books were announced this past summer. Um, but this, uh, you know, this is a new one uh, coming out here. It's the hottest new job seminar for uh, 2018. Have you heard about it? I think so. You know, you get you can't avoid it. Whatever, whatever you're obsessed with, whatever you type into Google, we get all these ads now. So being a massive Star Wars fan, all I see in Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram are ads. So this is the this is one of those master classes, right? Like the Ron Howard learn how to make film or Steve Martin's learn how to act. Exactly. It's even Gordon Ramsay has one to tell you how to cook crappy food. So this master class is the maker finally tells all. So this is actually George Lucas telling you how to take a creative property and turn it in and sell out to make the most dollars in the least amount of time. Oh, that's fascinating. So you just cut through right all the BS of making films for arts and you learn how to make film and television strictly how to get it into bed sheets and backpacks and pencil cases and all that sort of stuff. Exactly. So for instance, wow. did you know? Yeah, in, in the seminar, did you, one of the things that we're learning is that the actual entire inspiration for Star Wars actually originated in George Lucas's mind as a marketing campaign. Did you know that? I mean, it makes perfect sense, especially by the time you get to Return of the Jedi and the prequels, that like everything was pre-designed to what could be sold and then a story loosely wedged around those with these very, you know, sort of hollow characters that just happen to catch our, uh, you know, collective imaginations. Right, so George, uh, he actually, little known fact, he had a gigantic holdings, manufacturing holdings in China in the 70s. He invested as a young man and the bottom just dropped out of the market. Financial crisis, right, for most people, but not George. He actually used that to his advantage to produce these toys on pennies on the dollar. And you'll learn how if you attend his master class. So really, 20th Century Fox are just pawns in this. I wonder if we'll, if we'll ever hear that. You know what? They weren't even class. pawns. Essentially, he they got were the someone board. else to pay. He got someone else to pay for his movie, thinking that they could potentially earn profit off of the movie when all of the real deal was going to come when he pretended that they were out of money and he was going to forfeit the sequel and merchandise or take the sequel merchandising rights and forfeit his paycheck. That's right. I mean, that's, that's some advanced thinking that you just, you don't see out of this generation of filmmakers. So it feels like this masterclass could teach anybody going into Hollywood, what it's really about and what you really need to do with making movies. Well, see a lot of, t a lot of people this day and age have trouble with having integrity. And this class will, sh will instruct you step-by-step step how to get rid of all of that. 
I again, I'm, just on the website here, it also says that uh, all of the narration uh, when George isn't being interviewed for this course is narrated by none other than Ahmed Best. That's right. That's right. The maker ha- uh, is a busy guy, so they they got uh, Ahmed to actually take over for part of it. And it and it's all in world because it's actually in Gunganese and then subtitled. That's right. So it really it really feels like this is sort of uh, this masterclass is official canon. It is. It really is. Because we're I mean. we're going to learn a lot of new Gunganese words that we didn't didn't know before, uh, and I imagine that some of the dialogue in there will also give us backstory hints to some of the recent Disney era Star Wars. Because we all know that George sold the property, he's not involved, but he still serves as an advisor and uh, and frequently has coffee with Kathleen Kennedy and gives his input as to the direction of how some of these should go. So I think that's really great. I mean, who doesn't want to learn more Gunganese at the same time learning how to sell out? Well, now, Lord Drivel, I know that you are a fairly enterprising person, but you are also fairly fiscally conservative and frugal. So I don't want the price to scare you off because fans right now, only today for the next 24 hours, if you do want to sign up for the seminar, you can go to masterclass.com slash goober. Type in the keyword goober. And only today you can get a 20% discount on Pampers and baby oil. That is a package deal. Uh, if you buy all 16 special editions of the Masterclass portfolio of materials. And they are beautifully done, printed on hard cardstock with with a different image uh, on each one. These are the special editions of the Masterclass portfolio. And actually, on the portfolio itself is a picture of the maker, George Lucas, drinking fanboy tears from a diamond-encrusted gold mug. What what I think is interesting is that uh, I you know I'm just, again I'm googling here and I'm I'm on a Reddit chain about the masterclass and some people have already purchased it. Mm-hmm. Each of the fifteen special editions after the original special edition are all a four minute video variation video of George Lucas laughing or scolding you for purchasing the special edition, which only is the original masterclass with this new additional scene of him laughing or scolding you. So you wow. can actually see a uh, a live video version of the Fanboy Tears Diamond Encrusted Gold Mug drinking in if you buy the special editions. But you don't know which one of the 16 it is, so you have to buy them all. And that, that creates just this beautiful rhythm of, of, of these uh, portfolios. You know, it's like it's like poetry. It rhymes. And by getting all 16, you actually get a download code which takes you to a back page on StarWars.com, which is going to show you the first frame of the first 15-second commercial for the first teaser of Star Wars Episode Nine. Say it ain't so. Well, I got to stop. I got to get out of here right now so I can buy my 16. Our fans know that we at Faking Star Wars are well tied into the uh, Hollywood and the filmmaking business. Little known fact that I actually wrote the scripts for the uh, original trilogy. Um, we try to keep a lid on that, but for our fans of the podcast, we're willing to to give that information out. It's not the first time. Well, the, I've said the it. good news is that even by you coming right out and telling the world, the world in quotes is limited to the staff at Baking Star Wars who is listening to this podcast. So your secrets are very, very safe. Right. Right. So. 
we do we do have a lot of connection with the film industry, and, and you are no exception to that rule. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself as a you know as a filmophile, as a director, as a as a writer? How did you get into this industry? And you know, talk about how Star Wars influenced you, I guess, as you've uh, you know your trajectory as a director. My experience is is very unique. That I went to go see Star Wars on the big screen. Uh, I was in, in my mother's womb at the time. Uh, I, w- I was born after the movie was released. My my mother was seven or eight months pregnant with me, so really I was able to truly absorb that movie in my movie seat, and it affected me unlike anybody else that saw it with their own eyes. I saw it through my mother's love and affection. That seeped right into triggering labor, and wow. you know. I, you know, it was only days later that I was born. So I am a Star Wars baby, tried and true. Well, I am too. And it's a little known fact that actually John Williams, when he composed the soundtrack, he actually used sound waves that operate at a different resonant frequency so that they would vibrate the amniotic fluid of all uh, fetuses in the womb, in the theater, to actually make them lifelong Star Wars fans and perpetually be tied to Lucasfilm with their wallets and uh, identity. So. That would explain when I saw John Williams at the Hollywood Bowl last year, which was the, the, the greatest concert experience of my entire life that will never be topped. When I was there at the Hollywood Bowl, like, you know, he, he began to play the Star Wars main theme. And now this, the, the science that you're speaking of makes perfect sense because while everybody else leapt to their feet with their plastic lightsabers, which they're waving around and, you know, banging them together, which is one, like canceling out the sound of the band that you can't hear anymore and obstructing the view of children and moms and everybody who paid good ticket money to be where they are, uh, you know, that didn't want plastic lightsabers waved around. I, I, I on the other hand couldn't get out of my seat because the music just hit me and instantly brought tears out of me. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. What an inspiring story, really. I mean, to have overcome the adversity of being at a concert like that with all those um, lightsabers flashing in your face and to, and to not get, um, you know, indignant or to not have any bitterness towards those, those uh, ignorant fans. I mean, that, that's a testament to your character as well. So, well, I actually saw a few security guards like running around and grabbing the plastic lightsabers and snapping them over their knee, which would instantly kill the light and the battery. And then I realized it's not security; it's Disney personnel that were looking at all of the non-official Disney lightsabers, oh, yes. the cheap knockoffs you get at dollar stores and WalMarts. And it wasn't that they were offended by the fact they were obstructing people's view or experience of John Williams. They were just largely stating, you will not buy unofficial Star Wars merchandise, which which I thought was a very, you know, necessary and positive message. Because if we don't buy the official Disney Star Wars toys, how are we ever going to get a Solo 2? How are we ever going to get a Rogue 2 or we find out who the Bothans are or mm. exactly how many Bothans died to get those battle plans you know, let's talk about behind the scenes. One of my favorite uh, creatures is in The Last Jedi, which is the um, the siren, you know, the, the manatee siren kind of creature on Octo that Luke suckles from her nipples. Mm-hmm, of course. You know? and, and I mean, the... it's, it's, it's a beautiful uh, animatronic puppet. Okay. Uh, and, and much like much it I mean, it, it really is 100 percent a puppet. You you can watch the behind the scenes and see them. Uh, you know, spare no expense in renting a helicopter to fly the thing to the side of the cliff 
to land it into place. And, you know, it's not just a puppet. Like Jabba the Hutt had to eat wet frogs, they have to use a special, I believe, a special, like, blend of latex and, and rubber puppetry um, in order for the green milk that, that is, is spewed from the creature's nipple when, when Luke is uh, milking it, that they can do that, you know, because in movies you don't just do one take. Rarely do you do one take. Right. They had to build a special waterproof latex that could project that milk over and over and still keep the realism of feeling close to the texture of a human nipple. Right. Uh, Mark right. Hamill's, you know, Mark Hamill's not going to act with anything less. He's a very method actor. Right. So right. he, he, if it didn't feel like the texture of a real space creature nipple, the scene was never going to feel authentic. So how many, how many hundreds of people do you think actually worked in the nipple department on the last Jedi to accomplish that feat? I, it's it's been about a day since I've watched the Last Jedi, but I believe there are four nipples on the creature, maybe six. Right. It's similar to like the udders of a cow, but designed much smaller to look more human nipple like. Because again, the Force is female. We want to have female representation in Star Wars in every which way we can. That's a subtle one that people don't talk about. That That's you know the, subtext, nip, the nipples of some of the creatures are definitively female, which again, up up the ante of overall female characters. And it was a team of all female puppeteers, which which nobody is talking about. Everyone talks about Frank Oz's return, but not about these female puppeteers. Well, I think that, you know, it's talking about the forces female, female nipples in Star Wars. I think actually that they probably included that to balance, you know, when we do see um, uh, uh, Adam... Adam Driver's nipples in the Force Forward, like because we do see you his know, nipples too, I've and never you can't have that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's why they made them bigger and more right. succulent. You're completely right because they can't be sexist in one direction or the other. So if we don't see exposed nipples from both sexes, and Daisy Ridley has a contract that just states zero nipples, regardless right. if it's good for female fandom or not. Um, but yeah, I, I think there was, there was a puppeteer working each nipple because mm -hmm. again, Mark Hamill being a method actor, he's not necessarily going to say, well, the top right nipple is the one that I'm milking in this take. If you notice that the framing of the shot is just wide enough to include other nipples and right. a bit of a up, up and down Bob, cause the camera opter is sort of, sort of like a sports game. He's just, he doesn't know exactly where the ball is going to go. He just <laughs> has to, to, to predict. Um, so they had to have an operator and a full bladder of green milk into each. And one of the rumors I read on Reddit that I thought was fascinating is if he was to use one of the left nipples, it would have been blue milk. Oh, is that so right? There, there, yeah, there was sort of like a there was a tease of like we might get a direct tie into the original trilogy or we might get this new one. But it's totally up to Mark Hamill and his and his brilliant performance as Luke in this movie in order to um, – you know, to determine that's the thing when they think when, you know, there was rumors that Mark might get an Oscar nomination for best supporting actor. And I just think it's really a shame that more people from the Academy don't go on Reddit and read the depths of all, all the creativity of Mark Hamill as an actor and the choices that he's making, even in minute scenes like that really are astounding. And mm. I feel overlooked by the Academy. Well, and the other thing about it, you know, getting back to the color of the milk, which I think was intentional choice not only for the dramatic effect of giving uh, Mark the, the choice in the moment, mm -hmm. but 
there was actually also some speculation that uh, this was a done as sort of an homage or, or a tip of the hat to the legions of uh, of male Star Wars fans who suffer from color blindness, right? So a lot oh. of them actually can't appreciate the depth of the beauty of blue milk because they lack the proper receptors, but they can see green milk. So this is a way of uh, Disney saying, hey, you can be part of Star Wars too, right? The details that go into making uh, even these subtle decisions on set must just be excruciating uh, for the And that's director. all – we're all talking about one nipple used yeah. in one scene of the movie, which is a classic scene now in cinema history. I've seen several, like, dissecting the scene YouTube channels that really get into what went into um, – just to, even, like, Luke's mindset of – you know, everybody goes, oh, he gave up on the force. He gave up on everything. But, like, he gave up on human food. That's right. He he eats giant space fish and green milk from the nipple of this creature that just, I think, sort of is gratified by being milked because it looks it looks pretty pretty relaxed and the in moan a, of pleasure. In a ready-to-be-pleasured position, the way it sat on those rocks. So getting into the sound effect design for the creature, to me it sounded somewhere in between... Uh, the passing of a bowel movement and a squeal of sexual delight. Is that, do you think what they were going for with that? Who do you think did the voice for the, the uh, space manatee siren creature? What I read and, and don't quote me on this, but uh, they actually got Ben Burt to come out of retirement and, and not do any of the sound mixing for this film. Cause he's passed the torch onto Matthew Wood and everyone else down at, at Lucasfilm. But he, uh, he came back and wow. did the voice for the the space the horny space manatee. What's your favorite creature from the original trilogy that goes unnoticed? What, what I you know there were lots of them like especially in Maz's castle and those kind of things, but like not a lot of them really moved or had real like interactions with the plot like they used to like the Java like why they made so many CG incarnations of huts when the practical works so well I don't understand it's and I really beyond, hope with this yeah. rumor that. You know, they have to go before the huts and involve the huts in episode nine. Or, uh, you know, there's a good chance with the Mandalore TV series that the huts are involved being gangsters in the criminal underworld. Please just pull that puppet mold out of storage, <laughs> rebuild it. It worked perfect in 1983. Dust Why would you make something unperfect? Yeah. Yeah, it was such a powerful uh, image to see, you know, with the tongue too, really. That, to me, seeing a, a greasy, slimy uh, uh, cow liver coming out of Jabba's mouth and knowing that the people on set were just nearly defecating in their pants at the smell, it really brought it all to life. I mean, talk about a hive of scum and villainy. But I mean, again, the actor playing Jabba's right arm was a method actor. So if he knew... <laughs> that the tongue operator wasn't tasting something foul, he wouldn't have got the same motion out of that right arm, which is commanding the majority of every time he gets angry at Luke or it's always, if you watch carefully, the right arm is a much better actor than the left, the left side arm. of Jabba's It's like body. left shark, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, and I was thinking, yeah. you know, wow, they missed a merchandising opportunity there. Cause like, have you seen those, uh, those plastic, uh, kind of cat tongue combs that you can actually put in your mouth and lick your cat because yep. like as cats yeah. do well they actually missed an opportunity um i think this could actually become a bed a bedtime uh, toy for some men and their couples if they actually had a java tongue that they could use uh with their wives uh when things got romantic it would go perfectly well with the now gender neutral um 
you know, the the one that's approved by Disney that isn't um, sexually inappropriate towards young girls, but but the Leia, the Leia swimsuit costume. There you um, go. It's not it's not called a bikini anymore. It's called uh, the action actually, outfit. They actually only sell it in plus sizes now because they don't want only skinny girls to feel comfortable in it. So it, it's actually only designed for larger women now. I'm reminded great. of the words of C-3PO, Lord Drivel. Oh, I can't bear to watch. There should be a whole Star Wars podcast just to talk about all the minute details of creature puppet performance that that gets looked over all of the time. Well, it's been a sincere pleasure to have you on. How can they get at you on Twitter if they want to contact you and complain about everything you've said? Oh, well, I mean, that's pretty easy. Uh, you can you can find me in most dark corners of the Internet. Uh, one of those being, uh, if you use the Twitter machine, you can actually follow me at Lord Drivel. Um, and you can also find me since that account is often blocked because people get angry at my differing views, you can find me as soloist, which is at the number 12, one, two, at 12 parsec with a Z at the end, a Z. Uh, 12 parsec on Twitter. And Excellent. then obviously if you follow anything faking Star Wars, you can uh, find everything else at fakingstarwars.com. Actually, .NET, we are are trying to avoid being easy to find. So we deliberately chose .NET to make everybody trying to find us have uh, experience uh, pain and suffering. Well, I would know that if I had ever been to the website. I haven't either. I've heard it's good, though. I'm a Twitter purist. I don't like to move very far from where all the misinformation is. Yeah, you got to sit. You got to sit right in the swamp, as it were, on Dagobo with that. (laughs) Precisely. IG, did you listen to the last episode of the podcast all about Star Wars music? Oh, oh, yes, of course. Yeah, it was one of our best episodes, I think. And uh, you may have noticed that we added a new game to the podcast. Sure. Yeah, it's called Star Wars or Not Star Wars. Do you know how to play? I do not. Okay, well, I'm going to play for you a short audio clip. And your job is to listen and to tell me... First of all, you can get a point by telling me if it's from Star Wars or if it's not from Star Wars. All right? Simple okay. enough. And you'll get a second bonus point if you can tell me what uh, Star Wars film it's from or what scene. Or if it's not from Star Wars, you get a bonus point if you can tell me uh, what other film or show it's from. Okay? All right. I think this week everything is from a movie. Um, but I don't want to give you too much information because I may have snuck something in there. All right. All right, here's the first one. Are you ready? Yep. Any idea? Any uh any thoughts? Uh yeah. I don't really know here. Um Yeah. I'm going to go not Star Wars. Okay. But I don't know where it's from. Interesting. Would you like to hear it one more time? Sure. Yeah, I don't really remember that being in the movies, but so... Okay, well, you are right. You get a point. It's not from a Star Wars film. It is from a sci-fi fantasy film, though, from the 80s. Blade Runner? 
No, it's not Blade Runner. It's actually a non-human character. Uh, starts with an F, and it rhymes with Balcor. Balcor? Yeah, it's actually Falcor from the Neverending Story. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, that would make sense. Yes. Yeah, that would make sense. So it's the scene when Atreyu is rubbing Falcor's ears. Uh, he's asking for him to do that. And uh, you might be interested to know that the man who voiced uh, Falcor actually is a famous voice actor who was responsible for doing the role of Skeletor in the original Masters of the Universe uh, animated cartoon. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's cool because uh, I love that cartoon. Oh, yeah. It's a famous uh, famous uh, voice actor. He's done all kinds of work uh, with Smurfs and everything. I thought you might have thought it was Dexter Jetster. Um, from Attack uh, of the Clones. No, no. You know, similar voice cadence, but... Yeah, the thing is, I don't remember him kind of doing that kind of, uh, yeah. He, he just sat in the cafe and blurted um, uh, exposition at people. Right, right. Yeah, well, here's another one, okay? Are you ready? Yep. En nombre del Senado Galáctico de la República, queda arrestado, Canciller. Es una amenaza, Maestro Jedi. El Senado va a decidir su suerte. Yo soy el Senado. Aún no. Es traición, entonces. Okay, so... I'm gonna go a Spanish dub of Star Wars. <laughs> okay, very good, very good. It is from a Star Wars movie, and it is a Spanish dub. Any idea what scene we're talking about? Ah, lightsabers going off. Talking about the Republic. Sounds like the sounds like Vader and sounds like Vader and the Emperor having a talk, but like the moment they're doing that when there was like lightsabers going off. Okay. Oh wait, is that from um is that from the prequels? It is from the prequels. Oh, Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's All the right. scene when Empire Palpatine says, I am the Senate. Yo soy el Senado. Ah. I am the Senate. And actually, uh, Pablo Hidalgo actually wrote that line of dialogue, Yo soy, the Star Wars uh, story group Emperor. So that was the original line, but they changed it at the last minute. So what do you think? Um, pretty cool. Yeah, good. Well, you have two points so far. I'm very proud of you. Nice job, little boy. should get another half point for getting the prequel. <laughs> ah, yeah, I'll give it to you. That was a tough one. Okay, here's another one. Sounds like a ship's engine. Okay, it does sound like a ship's engine. It's not, though. Do you think it's from Star Wars? No. that Honestly, that doesn't sound like the Star Wars, um, like, machinery. So I'm going to go with no on that one. Okay, it's not a uh, Star Wars it Sounds film. more like Battlestar Galactica. It's just a little bit older than that. Older than Battlestar Galactica. Uh, oh, yes. Um, I'm not sure. It's actually from the 1954 original Japanese film, Godzilla. Oh, oh, oh that's awesome. That's, that's Godzilla's uh, fire breath. Yep, that's right. And it's actually very interesting how they created that sound. Um, the uh, original sound effect was created by a man named uh, Akira If uh, Sorry, I'm going to get this wrong. Akira Ifukube, 
who uh, used a resin-coated leather glove along the loosened strings of an orchestral double bass. And you might be interested to know that uh, when they were creating uh, the sound effect for uh, the uh, remake of Godzilla, which Star Wars director Gareth Edwards was responsible for, um, they really worked hard to try to get that sound effect uh, on an epic scale. But they had to go back to the, be- to the beginning, uh, to 1954, and really take a look at how they did it originally. You're uh, three for three so far, my man. You're really smoking. All right. Well, um yeah, that last one was a little tough because it does sound spacey, but it's yep. uh, yeah, I can't, I couldn't place it into. Uh, Star Wars tech always has a softer sound for their uh, engines and stuff. Right. All right. Well, Four here's another ones. one. Are you ready? Okay. What do you think about that Actually, one? Can, can you play that one more time? Sure. That sounds like, um, honestly, like uh, I, I'd say that sounds like something played backwards. Very good. It is actually played backwards. I tried to give you a little bit of a challenge here on this one. Uh huh. That, that one's a that was a tough one, but I mean, I can actually hear C three PO on that. So, all right. Any guess from what movie it came from? Ah, uh, no. That's that's the thing. I can't. Like he does the. It, he's always like in a panic for stuff, so I have no idea. All right, uh, well, here it is played forwards. Wait, wait, oh my, what have you done? I'm backwards. You there you go. Oh, that is, uh, that's uh, Cloud City in um, um, Empire Strikes Back. That was actually C-3PO kind of at his angriest in the entire trilogy, don't you think? Uh, uh, was it? I'm backwards, and he insults uh, insults the Wookiee fairly derisively, and I would say that constitutes a you know kind of almost verbal abuse. He does go soft on Chewbacca due to the arm ripping thing. So yeah, so I'll get I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean I'm surprised that Lucasfilm ever allowed that scene to go forward. I mean, peop- you know, Wookies have been. Uh, facing uh, all kinds of insults and segregation for years and so uh to to allow c-3po's um verbal you know insults uh to go forward in that movie is just a kind of a sign of the times if it were you know we've really evolved behind that i think (laughs) to be fair chewbacca did put his head on backwards well that's true all right got some more for you are you ready hmm yes Oh my god, that sounds like branches breaking and somebody farting. Okay. Well, do you think it's from a Star Wars movie? Oh. There have been farts in Star Wars movies before. Maybe Endor. I'm No, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Any guess what movie it comes from? You're right, it's not from a Star Wars movie. God, no, I can't I can't place it. It's actually from the dream sequence in the comedy starring Jim Carrey, Dumb and Dumber, when he holds a lighter up to his buttocks and releases a cloud of fire with his flatulence. Ah, uh, yes, right before the, um, the boob headlights hit him. Yeah, I was really hoping that you would guess the scene in the pod race uh, in The Phantom Menace where Jar Jar yes. Binks gets farted on by an Eopi. Yeah, to be honest, if it had just been the the farting bit, probably. But okay. the, like, it sounds like stuff's breaking. Right. 
and yeah. Well, I yeah, didn't I want to be too mean to you and make it too difficult. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, the Elpies are an interesting creature which were added into Star Wars for the prequels. We never see them in the original trilogy as it was. Do you remember those creatures? Which ones? The Eopies. No. No? So, um, you know, the, the Eopi uh, actually was a beast of burden, and that's why you see them there in the podcast, or in the podcast, in the pod racing scene. And uh, one of the problems that they had was that if they were carrying too much load on their backs, then they would break wind. Oh, wait, the ones that kind of look like a dinosaur? Yeah, it sort of looks it's like a there. messed up brontosaurus kangaroo, sort of. Yes, yes. Okay. White. Yeah, I believe um, they put one of those into a New Hope in the uh, uh, whatever those special editions. The re-specialized special editions or whatever it was. Yeah. They may have I done. Th- yeah, yeah. I, I think I've seen them before. I mean, you, d- you don't need those. You have dobacks, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, in terms of a beast of burden, though, uh, I thought they were a nice addition because they they showed that you know there was a variety of creatures living on Tatooine, uh, not only reptilian or like those mammoth uh, banthas, but there were also these um, little kangaroo creatures. I lost all respect for you right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, if you don't like the Eopies, you'll be happy to know that they are used as stew in several settlements in the Star Wars uh, legend and canon. Um, so it's it's not all bad. And actually, we have a we have a, our scientific research department is actually working on genetic the genetic coding of the Eopies. We're hoping to start marketing them and open our first restaurant serving only Eopie meat. Ooh, or how about a theme park where we have all of the monsters from uh, Star Wars? Nothing will ever go wrong. So if you had to eat a Star Wars creature, which one would you start with? Hmm, probably those frogs from uh, Jabba's Palace. Oh, yeah, those are nice. Yeah, they're like little frog dogs, right? Yeah, like put them on a stick. Sure. All right, um, IG, we've got one more for you here. Let me just get it queued up. I think you're going to like this one. All right. Here we go. Ready? Here we go. I'm going to say that that is not, not Star Wars, because <laughs> they would never do anything that ridiculous. No. Yeah, you're right. It's not Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually from a student film that I made in 1987. Oh, the infamous porno? Uh, no, no. This was actually uh, part of a, an advertisement for a, a new type of toilet paper. And as part of the selling of the product, we uh, showed a scene of a man very upset uh, that he couldn't get his toilet paper to flush properly. So. Ah, yeah, yep. well, that makes sense because that's the only reason you would use an effect like that in a movie. Right, right. Or- for some cheap advertisement, absolutely. So. Well, there you go. You did really well. Uh, six for six, I think. So congratulations on uh, shooting the moon. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Oh, well, that was a really interesting look at uh, some aspects of Star Wars I hadn't thought about in a few minutes before, IG. What'd you think? I thought it was awful, Storm Goober. Yeah, well, that is all for this week. Uh, can you tell the listeners where they can find us if they have absolutely no social life? Um, absolutely. If you have no social life, you can follow uh, Baking Star Wars on Twitter and Instagram at 
RealFakingStarWars, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash RealFakingStarWars. And, you know, we also have our Patreon, and it's time to give a shout-out to Darth Taxis, who has joined us at the $5 Fake Jedi Knight tier. Um, and also we have a new subscriber on our Patreon, Hamel Sparkles, who has joined at the Jedi Padawan level. Thank you, as always, for your support, and you can join the Patreon for as little as a buck a month. If you want to submit any questions for us on Twitter, use the hashtag, hashtag FSWRadio, and we'll read it for you next week. You can also get great Faking Star Wars t-shirts, hats, gloves, coffee mugs, AK-47s, and other great gear on http colon slash slash teepublic.com slash user slash Faking Star Wars. That's teepublic.com. And... You can uh, also find that off of our website, fakingstarwars.net. If you hate me and want to try to ruin my life on social media, please go ahead and follow me at DuperStorm on Twitter. How about you, IG? If people hate you and want to ruin your life, how can they do that? They must travel to the deepest, darkest depths of the Mustafar system. Great. Well, if you like what you hear, uh, go ahead and tune in next week with a, when we come back to you with another great episode. And stay tuned every day to FakingStarWars.net for quality Star Wars comedy, parody, and satire. As always, thanks to you for listening. May the foe be with you. See you next time. <laughs>